Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast. People talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have True Believer CBS. Hi. How you doing? We also are featuring Nuff Said with Josh. Put up, put up, put up. We also have Excelsior with Rob. Hi. It's it's Rob. (laughs) Very unenthusiastic as normal. I wanted to say say that's totally true. Give us another Excelsior. Excelsior! There you go. That's that's a good one. Uh, right. Well, welcome everybody to the Top Iconics Podcast. Today we're going to be doing episode number 118. It's been a minute since we had a show, so sorry about that. Keep doing it, guys. We appreciate it. You're only hearing that if you're listening, so if you already swore off, that's too bad. Anyhow, so today we're doing something a little different than we normally do, which we might change up the format altogether. I don't know. We'll see. But today we're going to do a show about Stan Lee, the recent passing of uh, Stan the Man. So uh, that's basically what we're going to be talking about today. So if you didn't know already, well, there's the spoiler, which is sad. Uh, but first, let's do a little bit of news with uh, well, with with Josh. And the news desk? And the new, the news desk? We'll come, we'll come up with something that's weak. Um, it can't be the dog pile, because, I mean, that's Ross's thing. Okay, well, that's it. We'll come up with something. Okay. Just, we'll figure it out, man. All right, go on. It'll come to us. Tell me some stories about the news. Stories about the news. Iceman is joining the Fantastic Four. That's, uh, are they going to straighten him out over there? Do you know? I don't know. All right. Well, you know what? Actually, like, just about everybody's been a part of the Fantastic Four, so it's about time some ex-characters get over there. Sure. Makes sense. Um, I also don't think you can say straighten out. I think that's culturally not okay anymore. <laughs> okay. Just so you know. Just saying. <laughs> Knowing's half the battle, Gina Joe. We were talking about this before we started the podcast. There's things you can and, and cannot say on television and or podcast. Well, you can say whatever you want on podcasts. You just like hinder us. You take away our fun. I know. That's what I do. Make things not like, fun. Like you for can't everyone. say any of the fun words and like fine. <laughs> Just news. There's a uh, three issue miniseries coming up, um, beginning of next year, written by Greg Pack called Hulk Vereens. Bruce Banner and Wolverine go in search of Weapon H to find out why they took their both their DNA to create another super soldier. They're not happy about it. Sounds interesting. Yeah. Well, it'll be cool. Weapon H has been. I know. I, I think that character's been pretty cool. It's a, it is an OP character, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that particular mashup, because neither one of those characters have encountered the other mashup of themselves yet, so that'll be neat. Well, I just... That character could technically be the most powerful character in the Marvel Universe if it wanted to be. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. So, I, you mean, compared to, like, the Century or something? I mean... I think he might even be more powerful than the Century, really, mm-hmm. if you want, like... Adamantium claws and skeletal right. system, oh, the yeah. Hulk's strength and the Hulk's regeneration powers. Yeah, range and regeneration Hulk, powers. I mean that's it's, it's mm. like yeah, that's just almost ridiculous. Yeah, I, I don't know if we ever have seen Weapon H's full potential or what his limits are, but he's a character that I I actually didn't think was going to last very long, and so you know, doing pretty good, keeping him going. And this is a neat new take because I kind of at first I was like, really, why are we even doing this? But you know, Hulk's been gone, Wolverine's been gone, so... 
Yeah. That makes sense. I know, this should be interesting. Um, sticking with Wolverine, Wolverine and Cyclops are to reunite in February for Last X-Men. And as you guys pointed out earlier, Cyclops is still currently dead, right? At this point, he is, yeah. But we do have a storyline getting ready to happen that, in theory, should fi- fix that somehow. Yeah, there's been a lot of rumblings, so. Getting the whole weird Nate Gray, Jesus-looking Nate Gray, which, I don't know, we'll see what that has to do with things. And speaking of, um, Age of X-Man is, will spawn six new, um. Miniseries? Miniseries. One, the first one will be Age of X-Man. The second, Marvelous X-Men. Um, Next Gen. Amazing Nightcrawler. Prisoner X. And then finally, Apocalypse and the X-Tracks. So. I like the miniseries. Amazing, uh, Amazing Nightcrawler. That sounds awesome. I like the title a lot. Has there ever been a Marvelous X-Men before? I think that sounds kind of cool. I don't think so. I think this is the first take on Marvelous. I kind of like that name. No, it's a good one. As far as canon names are concerned, it's a good one. They've been playing a, a game with um, Apocalypse here in the last uh, handful of X-Men Black books, where he's got kind of a backup that's been going through each of them. And so I wonder if that's where this will come out. Haven't they done, like, uh, the Black books have been, like, spotlighting different villains? Yeah, that, that's what this, the, 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 the miniseries has been about. Yeah, yeah the main storyline, there's a backup story in, in them that connects together. And so the main story, yeah, the individuals, they did the one for, uh, Magneto, and then, uh, Mystique, I think was second, then Mojo, and Juggernaut, and then White Queen. I think that's the right order. I think. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, as far as like one-shot stories, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see, because we got a bunch of stuff getting ready to happen, and Uncanny X-Men just dropped this last week, so like, and it's a giant book, like, size-wise, it's huge. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on in there. Uh, a lot of Bishop. So if, if you've been needing a Bishop fix. Jericho Bishop or Bald Bishop? Uh, he's kind of in the middle. He's gone to kind of cornrow-looking hair. So he's like in between <laughs> Bald Bishop and Jericho Bishop. I think he should have just stuck with Bald. I, I love Jericho uh, Bishop. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. Of course like, you do. Well, the costume he's wearing is the Jerry Curl costume for the most part. Yeah, it's very close, yeah. So, yeah, he's kind of a mix, I guess. Yeah, he's, he's somewhere in the middle. I, I'm I'm fine with it either way. I, I just like Bishop to be unique, and I think he got kind of lost there for several years. I, I, I like him better as a hero character than what he was in the Cable story, too. I just, oh, yeah. I just don't like Bishop because he's his powers are, are like... Dependent on somebody shooting something at him. So, like, if nobody shoots anything at him, he doesn't have any powers. Well, they're kind of undefined, because as I always understood, he, he has energy manipulation. It's just the power level of it increases or decreases based on how much kinetic energy he absorbs. But he was kind of taught not to use those powers, because he was an ex-hunter. He was hunting mutants, and so he was trying to, like, pass himself off as normal. Mm. It's kind of sad that they don't do more stories about, like, the people who flipped on the mutants in the Age of X, or, uh, not Age of X, but, uh, the Days of Future Past story. Oh, yeah. Because, like, some of that is pretty undefined, because you have, like, Rachel, which was full-on, like, we're gonna make her a dog warrior, and then you have Bishop, who was like, I'm trying to play like a person, even though I've been branded as a mutant. So, 
But that's how I always understood it. It was it was less that he needed to be hit and more that he was just like, no, I'll rather use a shotgun. I don't know why I did the voice for that. Sorry. Is that how he sounds in your head? No. <laughs> Must be. He's a little bit more Samuel Jackson. That makes sense. In my head. That makes a lot of sense. Josh, more news? Still on the Marvel tick. Marvel War of the Realms is upcoming. It'll be a Thor-based um, cross-company event. So mm. so next uh, Civil War will be War of the Realms? Yeah. All right. That's cool. Um, Maybe we'll get to see Angela again. That'd be nice. Clean her out of the closet, dust her off. It's possible, yeah. She's, yeah. She's she was cool when she was in Guardians. I like yeah. Guardians. No, it was awesome. Since then, though, we gave her two miniseries, and, and uh, that was about it. Yeah, some characters need to be on a team, and that's it. That's fine. With, I'm, that's fine. No, that's true. There's, there's a lot of characters that shine best, as you said, on a team. Hellboy's 25th anniversary is coming up. March 23rd will be officially called, and I think Dark Horse Universe is as Hellboy Day. Bum, bum, bum. Be a big deal. There are going to be a bunch of special editions and covers and things and such and blah, blah, blah. That's really cool. So, yeah. It would be nice if Mike resurrected him. Bring him back from the dead? He could just just bust up from the ground. That'd be kind of cool. Hellboy out of hell. I just gave you a title, okay? That's awesome. Do something (laughs) with it, please. And then on to DC News. There wasn't a ton that I um, saw, but... Detective 1000 was officially announced that it will be written by Tomasi. Which, that's cool. Um, Peter J. did a bunch of the uh, Batman Robin and Superman in the Super Sons books. Plus, he's got a couple novels out there, too, like normal-style books. I think he's great. Like, he did, he did a lot of Green Lantern, too. Like, the guy's, he's a badass. And then, finally, the official release date of the uh, new cartoon Young Justice Outsiders is January 4th. Finally, yes. Is that what the yeah? Fight finally. Is that what we're supposed to say? Last two, last year and a half, we've been talking about that thing going somewhere. It could be like Snake. Took you long enough. <laughs> and in case Is nobody, that a Snake Fliskin? No, oh, man. It's a Snake from Metal Gear Solid. Oh wow, it's pretty much the same though. Yeah, same guy. I mean, really, eye patch, long hair. Mm-hmm. Yep. And in case anybody wanted to know just how weak the DC um, Cinematic Universe is, Venom officially surpassed Justice League in yeah, the box yeah, office yeah. rating. So, the other day. Just now, hold so up know. a second. Like, that is a little divisive because Venom is a lot better than people gave credit for. And I think it's I think it's coming around now. Add, add it. Okay. I, I'm not I'm not arguing the point that Venom isn't good or bad. <laughs> I'm arguing the point that Justice League is that bad. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah that a, like a that B bad. character. Venom's not Mar- a B. He's an A. No, he's not. He's, he's a B character. No, and he is on the lower tier of the Marvel universe, and he's not even was a. He's not even that movie wasn't even made by the official Marvel Cinematic Universe. It was made by Sony. a different company. Yeah. So, and it was, was still better. Than Justice League. Better received than Justice League. Just better. Nah. Yeah. Well, it's made more money. I think that's what Oh, there you go. It made more money. Sure. People liked it better. <laughs> it's possible. So they went to see it more. Mm. I, I'd give you that. Now, of course, you know, if we throw the Fantastic Four in as our benchmark. Hey, there you go. Justice now? League's looking pretty good. Nah. 
Which Fantastic Four, though? Any of them. Oh, man, I like the Silver Surfer one. Yeah, I, I like the first two as well, but they're still not very good. It's true. I guess you'd have a look of the money to see what they did. I thought the wise. Silver Surfer one was better than the uh, than Justice League. And I, I'm a DC guy, so that shows how much that it bothers me. But Silver Surfer was awesome. The rest of the movie, not so much. When are we going to bring Silver Surfer into the cinematic universe? Well, probably after 2020. Probably not. He's kind of a boring character. He might be one that doesn't translate to the big screen. For a standalone movie, I totally agree. But for an event movie, very different. Maybe he'll be in the next Guardians. Uh, theoretically, Adam Warlock is. Then after that, we probably won't have any more Guardians movies because James Gunn got fired. Now he's going to go over to DC and make some sweet Suicide Squad action. Anybody who tries to follow that act is going to have a heart attack to follow. So I doubt we see. I mean, I'm sure there will be another Guardians, but I don't think it will be received the same way. Right. That's quite possible. It depends on how many actors go with Gunn. Because it sounds like Batista's not going to be there very much longer. And I would always have argued that Drax was not a huge part of Guardians. But in the movie universe, it's not the same without Drax. Well, Drax has been around in the... In the uh, cosmic Marvel universe for... Oh, yeah, for a long time. Like, the Thanos stuff, he's been, like, connected to that since the early 90s, so... That's true. But as a piece in the in the main puzzle of things, depending what time frame you're reading, he's either slow and dumb Drax with all the power in the universe, or he's the Batista Drax. And of the two of them, if you're going to bounce a character... I, I could see him being the easiest bounce, especially when he's wearing a purple headdress and cape. I mean... Yeah, I, I just mean in the comics, like, you you can replace him with somebody else, but in the films, I don't I don't think you can. I think he's an essential part of the Guardian's movie presence. And he does bring a certain je ne sais quoi I don't think that, it. I don't think that means Batista's done with Marvel. I think that it just means he's willing to work for both companies. Right. Because as an actor... A paycheck's a paycheck. Like, and he's not signing any exclusive contract. But no, I guess what I mean is he was he was very mad about the whole situation with Gun Leader. Right. Like, almost enough to be like, I'm just done. I'm going to walk in my contract. Yeah. We'll see. So, well, yeah, ultimately. I'm sure Gun will talk him down. Yeah. Like you said, by the end of it, money talks, but Dave Batista lands in a kind of different category. He's not, even though he's an actor now, he had all that other wrestling stuff before that, and current age, he can still go back, just like Hogan and, and The Rock all yeah, did. He, so. he doesn't make as much money doing that. Though. Oh, he doesn't, but as far as like just needing a paycheck, like the dude can get it someplace else. Well, he's, he's his stock has kind of raised a lot, and I, I'm sure a lot oh, of yeah. it's because of, of Guardians. Because of Guardians. You know, he, he, all, all the wrestler guys, you know, when they first come in, all they can get is, oh, big, dumb, strong guy, you know, and over time, if that's not who they are, it changes. I mean, that's why Goldberg isn't in movies, but The Rock is. He's got a couple Christmas movies he's in. Goldberg? Yeah. Santa Slays. Awesome. Yeah, but he's... he's. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm with we, you. We know his range. Yeah, yeah. It's not very big. Same thing with Sabretooth. Well, the first Sabretooth. <laughs> I suppose we didn't even get to hear him talk. No, exactly. That's what I'm saying. And then they replaced him with a guy who doesn't really look like Sabretooth. No. So, you know, whatever. Yeah, but Lily F. Shriver's such a handsome son of a bitch. Like, I don't <laughs> I get knew he He's amazing. He's the best part of that movie. Well, you were poking uh, the beast. You know he likes that saber tooth. I know. I love I him. Know. I think Lee F. Shriver needs to be Wolverine in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think he he's looks too tall. Ex- no, he, he's shorter than Hugh Jackman. Really? 
Yeah. I was, mm-hmm. was going to say, height is pretty much irrelevant when it comes to the movie side of it. I mean, they're really not handling that down. Got, he's got the sideburns and everything. To give him the hair, he would look just like the... He would look more like Wolverine than Hugh Jackman ever will or could. Well, he definitely looked more like Wolverine than he did like Sabretooth, that's for sure. That's that's true. <laughs> that's very true. I'm just saying we almost had Russell Crowe as Wolverine, so you know, we just so yeah. thank our days. And not, there's nothing wrong with Russell Crowe. No. I cannot see Russell Crowe as Wolverine after Hugh. That's true. But I mean, honestly, that stuff, if you're not going to have Hugh in, if you have Hugh in, it's for a one-shot. So you're almost wasting Wolverine. Right. If you don't give it some time, nobody's going to ex- accept anybody else. That's true, too. So. You're hard-pressed recasting that part. Yeah. But no, I, Hugh Jackman's like six-something. Hmm. He's a very tall man. He and um, the the lady playing Jean Grey are both incredibly tall. Frankie Jansen, yeah. Hey, are we talking old school Jean Grey or are we talking young Jean Grey? Uh, old school Jean Grey. Okay, Frankie Jansen. Because um, that was one of the things they talked about. Like in scenes where Cyclops was there, he had to stand on something <laughs> so that he could be right. at the same height or taller than them. I remember, I remember that. So it's funny. Uh, so is there any other news there, Josh? They have Shriver six foot three. That's not really news, but okay. And <laughs> some some people want to know this stuff. All right, six it's three, Im- but it's important. Okay, because we'll see how. Oh, Hugh Jackman's also six three. Hey, so it'd be fine. So technically, it'd be fine. We can throw the we All can right. throw the height situation out. <laughs> Although, can can he get as ripped as Jackman did? Because Jackman's mm, probably wow, oh, way more ripped. I don't know if I say more, but Hugh I can Jack- say equally. We have Schreiber's a hundred times the actor. hundred well, times. That has nothing to do with your muscle shape. Yeah, because it means he's more dedicated to his craft. I don't know, man. He's in that Ray Donovan show, and you know how much I hate that. Yeah, it's a great show, though. You you hate good things. Maybe I watched the wrong season. I, I, will not, I will not lie. I would not. If I had to put the two together and I had to pick which one was the better actor, I would not pick him. Hugh Jackman? No. <laughs> I'd pick, I pick you. Cotton Weary? That's who he is. Every role that I've seen him in feels like it's the same role, and he's maybe just stuck in that. He's a million different things. Cotton Weary. Okay. Hugh Jackman's the same in everything. Mm-hmm. Except for when he's singing and dancing. You see Wolverine singing and dancing? I don't think <laughs> so. Yeah, I do. When I watch him doing stuff, I'm like, wow, you're annoying, and I just imagine you singing and dancing. <laughs> that's, that's not okay. You with your little Mexican X23. Well, that is weird. You know. mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's that shows like incredibly Doing small. A, can, can, you, can you feel the love tonight together? That would have been awesome. I'm sure they did that in outtake. Maybe they could both do the really loud sound. You know, the the when you get the really big can you see. You know, and the rest of it could just be done by uh, Xavier. It doesn't. I'm making it like happen. You planned the whole thing just now. Stop it. That's <laughs> bad. Um, one one thing I did want to bring up, which is, I'm glad that Young Justice is finally coming back. Right. I know that it's never going to happen, but Legion of Superheroes would be awesome to get a season three. Just saying. How they has a love that other no, series does have. Most people don't even know it exists. It's true. Yeah, uh, and it is fantastic. So if you are out and you're rummaging around cartoon collections somewhere, look for Legion. But yeah, Young Justice. It was good. I did like that one. That was good too. But yeah, I, I don't, it doesn't have the flavor the other mm. one has. 
maybe the wrong timing for it. But yeah, Legion of Superheroes was really pretty good. Um, so that that was all the news, right? Or is there one more piece of news? Um, I was a little bit like I didn't del- delve into my. I feel like my specialty is kind of action figures. I usually do a little bit of action figure news, and the only thing I really have to say today is that it's sad that um somebody at Hasbro said that with the GI Joe Club coming to an end, finally at the end. December 31st will be the end of the G.I. Yeah. Joe Collector Club and the final 12 um, subscription service going, the the final the final 12, 12 in quotation marks. Mm-hmm. Um, they pretty much said, in no words or less, that this that the three and three quarter, four inch version of G.I. Joe is pretty much, that will be it for forever. It's pretty much, that's donezo. So that will never be a thing ever again. So it's pretty sad. That is that's lame. Because as action figures go, I love... I love GI Joe, so it's it's a pretty huge deal. But the cool thing about it, that three quart, three and three quarter inch, four, the one eighteenth scale, basically, has been picked up by a bunch of independent companies who are doing a lot of amazing things. So there's a bunch of really cool ones, and uh, the number, the one that's really leading the charge in that is uh, Boss Fight Studios, and uh, a lot of people looking to them, even smaller companies who are doing their own Kickstarter and starting their own company. And getting their own figures out there, they're like Boss Fight Studio, or, or they're kind of like the uh, um, people that they're going to to ask questions and consult them through it. Like people are like just taking charge, doing direction, like, doing their own thing. It's pretty cool. There's yeah. a, um, Acid Rain is a really cool one. Um, there's a new one called Zombie Lab that just came out. A bunch of really, it's really really cool. Um, there's just a whole bunch of neat ones that have come out. So that's neat. Yeah, the boss fight figures, they do a whole lot of different genre pieces too, which is really cool. Yeah, they have a bunch of different waves coming up. Like right now they're in their fantasy wave. I think the next wave is going to be, um, space. And then the next one out, they better be pirates. So they have a bunch of their own. And then, um, Marauder Task Force is another one, but they, they kind of work with boss fight. They do the military ones. Like they make oh, yeah, some yeah. and mass parts and they, all of these um, one eighteen scales from all these different companies are all interconnect. Like they can basically, they're the same basic figure. They can swap in and out. They can swap in. Real, they're very compatible. So. Good for customizing. They yeah. match the same as the GI Joes did. So that's really awesome. But anyway, the pre order on GI Joe Club dot com collector club dot com went up, and the final twelve is are up for pre order. Which you can get like Tiger Force Hit and Run, Tiger Force Psych Out, um, Tiger Force Tunnel Rat, and a few. There's like there's twelve of them. There's some cool ones. Um, Tiger Force Tunnel would be pretty cool. Yeah, I pre-ordered him, but yeah, it's pretty cool. So nice. Anyway, sad day for GI Joe. Yes. Yeah. Even, even though they did officially announce that the next um GI Joe movie is going to be Snake Eyes, like a standalone Snake Eyes movie. So you think they're really not going to put out three three quarter figures whenever that movie happens? I find that highly unlikely. Yeah, well, they may jump to the six and a half, where they may go straight up like the way that. Marvel's doing right now with those ridiculous 12-inch figures that just look like garbage. I mean, those T-Crotch, like... The imports from yeah. Mexico? Nutcracker-looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they may do those. They must be cheap as all get-out because they are pumping those suckers out like crazy. I don't think they sell, but they must because that's taking over everything. Yeah. Kids don't know better because they're kids. Well, and they're and they're cheap. Yeah, that's the main thing. You know, I mean, like... I remember three and five dollars being like a lot of money for a toy, but now everything's like twelve to twenty dollars. Yeah, out the gate. So, but Marvel's also doing some cool stuff with their their four inch line, their one eighteen scale line too. I mean, I know they have the Marvel Legends, but they're also doing the the one eighteen scale, which 
look fantastic as well. Like, um, like I showed you guys the other day, the Marvel Capcom the versus ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 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 Ryu Black Widow is amazing. Yeah, yeah. the Iron Man Mega Man is pretty cool too. Yeah, I, I was just meaning the price. Oh right, right. Yeah, yeah. As far as like figures look wise, well, with the rising cost of like. Plastics and tariffs and plastic. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be. That's just the way that it's going to be now. But unfortunately, but yeah, yeah. even yeah. even if the tariff situation changes in the world, it won't go backwards. It always goes forward, cost wise. Doesn't change the other direction. Yeah, I just wonder if that's some of the decline because it's not Maybe. a matter of like they're just not trying that hard. I mean, when Jojo was running at the end of its run originally, yeah, it seemed like they weren't trying that hard <laughs> when they were doing the war on drug figures, like. Yeah, some of those well, are pretty rough. With, with in in toy news, with Toys R Us closing, a lot of toy companies are struggling, especially the big ones like Hasbro, Mattel. Like they're um, they're struggling because there's nobody to WalMarts and to- uh, Targets and things like their their toy aisles are shrinking. Right. Oh, yeah. And and then with to- Toys R Us closing, it's like they don't have. See, Toys R Us, what, like, the way that it was, that I read that it was explained to me that they would have, like, they would buy months worth of product and yeah. leave it in their warehouse because they had the money to do that. And, like, you know, Walmart and Target and other big, re- the current retail stores aren't willing to do that. They're seasonal. So, like, Toys R Us did it because they're just a toy store. Right. But, like, those, the other big ones don't have room and time to deal with that. So, like, if there's no movie or TV show supporting that, like Marvel has all these movies, all these things, so they can always have new Marvel characters coming out. But like Jed Joe, there's no, there's nothing going on. Right. Like Transformers always has a new cartoon. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles always yeah. has a new cartoon. Like there's always something to support it, and Jed Joe doesn't have that. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sad day. Speaking yeah. of sad days. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, back on. Uh, Monday, Stanley passed away. Um, depending on when you're when you're well, listening to yeah, this. Yeah, that's true. Be, depending on when you're listening to this, that also doesn't help. It'd be what September? No, um, 2018. November. November 2018. Yeah. I don't know what month it is. <laughs> I don't know when I'm listening to this. <laughs> you time travel back in time. Accidentally, <laughs> I wish. Nice. Uh, but yeah, so uh, November 12th. Yeah. 2018, again, that way everyone gets the dates lined up right. Mandela effect, but not. Um, so yeah. So I figured, yeah, we talked a little about Stan. I, there's been some other recent news stuff with, that's happened that's really distasteful, and I think we can talk about that maybe in a couple minutes, but, uh, as far as people in general and how they behave in the world. So like, as a thing, I know, in other podcasts we do, I talked a little bit about the time we met Stan Rob, and, what that was like and what I remember from it. But as far as like things and stuff that the man did, and I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of questionable things he did too in life. Don't get me wrong. There's a mixed bag there, but every time you move forward in a company or move forward in life, someone gets stepped on. You get promoted. The person that didn't get promoted gets stepped on. It's just how the world works. So as far as that, I mean, yeah, there's some questionable stuff out there, but for the most part, most of that was dealt with by time by by the time that they got out of the gates, like all those guys got addressed and talked to. Anyhow, um, so I'm gonna start with the first comic books Dan ever got published in, writer wise. Do you know what that is? 
As if it was a trivia question, I expect you guys to know. Cause Captain America I number three. Yeah, I know, because we talked about it earlier. Cheater. <laughs> you know what the name of the story was? Did I tell you that? No? Okay. So the name of the story, and it wasn't a normal, like, this was a fill-in, so a text fill-in. So it was just a story. Not like a... No art to assist it. So it was a text fill-in for extra pages to, in the book. Um, the name of the story was Captain America Foils the Traitor's Revenge. And, like, that particular story came out in 1941. And the biggest thing from that particular story was the introduction of Cap being able to throw his shield and ricochet it, which is, uh, like, a major staple of the character today. So, like, that came from Stan's little story, which I think that's freaking awesome. Uh, this doesn't actually relate to that, but it is something I thought was really cool, and it kind of relates to that time. So... I, I wish I could find it. There's a Marvel's Guide to New York City. And um, during that, they actually have a lot of excerpts with Stan and a bunch of people that worked for Marvel early on. One of the things that really stuck with me was talking about him crossing picket lines to go into the Marvel studio, which, of course, not, at that time was not called Marvel. It was called Timely. Right. But he would cross the picket lines to go in to do his job because people were protesting the Captain America comic because they didn't think we should be sensationalizing fighting in World War II because there was a lot of people who really thought the Nazis maybe weren't so wrong and uh, had a lot of discussions with Stan as he tried to you know get to work. It's crazy to think that we have come so far and that you know, you you can find these people that have, that lived that, that lived a part of life that we we don't ever even think about. It's easy to really think that we all were on the same page and we all knew like we could all be galvanized against you know this common enemy, but that's not how it was. And it's kind of crazy to think that you know this this guy lived through that and was being harassed for doing a comic about uh, about something. Now I think we all like look back on it and they're like, oh no, we were on the right side of history there. Right, yeah. That's true. Like, the amount of years the man saw, I mean, 95 years old, you're talking early days of cars, man. Like, who thinks about that? I mean, when our grandmother passed away, what, five, oh, it's been 10 years? Oh, my God. She was 100. And, like, this is a woman that went from the change in horse and buggy to cars. So, like, how crazy is that? I mean, Stan's a little younger than her. But as a thing, like, this amount of stuff that he lived through just change-wise is crazy. As a thing, like, so you mentioned Timely earlier. So, like, when Stan first got his job, the whole reason he got his job working for Timely was because of his uh, uncle, Robbie Solomon, and his aunt. So his, uh, no, I'm sorry, his cousin. His cousin was married to Martin Goldman, who's the guy who owned at Timely Comics. He was the publisher. So he basically got hired because of family connections. And, like, there's a lot of interviews where he talks about his first job was basically going around getting the orders for the artists and filling inkwells. Because back then, when you ink things, you use, like, a quill and a, an ink goblet or a dipper. And so his job was to fill those and take lunch orders and, you know, like, simple menial office labor stuff. And then later on, moved forward, I mean, from Timely 
Uh, see, like, so the time we started in 1939, and then it became Atlas for a short period of time in the 50s, up until 61 when it finally became Marvel, and then it stuck as Marvel from that point forward. But, like, it, talk about working working up the ranks, man. Like, the dude started out as a fetcher sandwich boy, became a writer, then after Kirby and, uh, I think, guys, Kirby and, there was one other guy, two of them left because of disputes with Goldman, and that left a editor position open, and so Stan, at like between 18 and 19 years old, was put in as editor of Marvel, well, editor of Timely Comics, and then from there, art director, and then like that stuck as a job until 72, when he finally stepped down from the position and then basically went to Hollywood to produce and sell the idea of Marvel in movies and TV. And was always a figurehead from that point forward. But like, as a thing, I mean, 19 years old, man, that's a... At the time, it was just a job or whatever. But like, nowadays, can you imagine appointing a 19-year-old to run a corporation? Like, I guess it's not impossible. But come on, man. Like... I mean, the only story different like like that is Jim Shooter, who started drawing Legion of Superheroes at twelve and writing it. Yeah, like the dude was in middle school. Like, how does that? Well, you, I mean, look at what's his name from from Facebook was in college. I think he was like twenty years old when he Mark created, Zuckerberg. Yeah, Zuckerberg created Facebook when he was twenty. Like, you know, Steve Jobs. Like, I mean, that that's a common thing. Like, you know, that's when you're gonna like when you become a man when you became 18 years old and you're out on your own and then you like start growing and becoming like you know elon musk even like those people like the greats like that's that's kind of when they start really blossoming it's becoming their own well, it is it is remarkable but yeah i get what you're saying it, it's not something that's like it's unheard of it's just these but, are remarkable people. but the greats that is that that's yeah. the thing is when it when it happens it's it's a great person and like stan lee was definitely you One you can even like throw that over to like Tommy Hilfiger who had his career in fashion at oh, yeah. really young. Well, Elon Musk like eleven years old, man. Like, so do you, do you guys want to hear some crazy like key important events that happened in the year Stanley was born? Sure. That is just to take into like how perspective. Old, like, yeah, yeah. Um, the formation of the Union of Soviet Socialist Republic, the Re- USSR, was formed. Well, that's crazy. So the so the Russian Civil War, the they basically murdered the Bolsheviks and uh, Stalin took over, et cetera, et cetera. All that's that crazy. Kind of stuff. Um, the Lincoln Memorial was dedicated. Oh wow! Yeah, I bet you never even thought about that. I bet you never even thought <laughs> when that was made. Right? <laughs> no. Yeah. Nosferatu, the movie, like was premiered in oh, Germany. The original? Oh man, mm-hmm. that's crazy. That thing the is cool. Irish Civil War began. Did you know there was an Irish Civil War? I had no War? idea. I, I hadn't heard of the Irish Civil War, but I... I mean, I did, but... I, I know very little. No. I'm, I'm a history major. Um, the United States Reader's Digest was created. Oh, that's crazy. Wow. I'm the formation of the British Broadcasting Company, also known as the BBC. The BBC? Holy crap, that's crazy. Wow. Gandhi was in prison for the first time. Yeah, it's because he's a troublemaker. Um, the Great United States Railway Strike, mm-hmm. and one interesting thing I think CBS would be I th- think fascinating. Canada had the first successful insulin treatment. Well, that's crazy. Interesting. There you go. Huh? 
It's a, yeah, that's interesting. Wow, crazy. Oh, and proba- prohibition was still going on, so <laughs> <laughs> alcohol was illegal. <laughs> it's amazing you ever got that. Uh, you see, uh, yeah. <laughs> NASCAR hadn't been invented. Well, that I don't think. Yeah, okay. Well, prohibition led to NASCAR. The blue leggers <laughs> drive the stock cars to, like really fast right. at night, and that yeah. trying to get oh. away. I, d- I didn't realize that those were actually connected. Yeah. Okay. If not, it I, makes perfect sense. I thought you were just joking about NASCAR fans. No, that, those those go together. Um, <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> long story short, Stan, Stan was really old. <laughs> it's a horrible way to say that, but it's true. It's very true. No, he just lived a really long, amazing life and like just brought joy and happiness to a lot of people. So that's true. That's true. As far as like character creation, like there's so many like Marvels. I mean, it's hard to think of a character he didn't have a hand in, or at least credit for. So, like, character-wise, there's that, and he's got characters from other companies. That whole uh, DC does, or D, I don't remember what they called it. It was like DC Imagine, that's what it was, for the DC comics. The Stanley Imagine. Yeah, Stanley Imagine for DC Comics. The Green Lantern one was cool. Like, the it was like the, I think it was a woman with like a lantern, like had an actual Green Lantern. And yep. that's good. But for people who didn't know those, those were... Basically, like, if Stan had just thrown everything out and took his stab at what these characters could be, that's what these were. They had the DC They, had the DC they were just books, DC yeah. characters. If he had written, so like a what if, what if Stan Lee wrote Green Lantern? What if Stan Lee wrote Aquaman? How would these things be different? What if he wrote Batman? So, like, there, there was a whole batch of them that did that. Like, I can't remember what year that was, jeez. That was cool that it happened. And then he's got... Uh, 2001. Is that when it came out? Yeah. Those are cool. Batman was based, look, based like Man Bat. Yeah. Well, he was a bat that was a man, so yeah. Yeah, Wayne Williams was the name of the character. And now uh, Joe Cooper. Joe Cooper drew him? Mm-hmm. That's cool. I didn't remember that he drew that. He was an African-American instead of Caucasian. So there you go. But yeah, the Green Lantern was really cool. Was Len Lewis was a uh, professor looking. Um, Len Lewis being a character that was the Green Lantern. Yeah. What was the name of the guy? The, the Wayne. What was his name? The Batman one. Yeah, Wayne Williams. Wayne Williams. Huh? He was always a big fan of the double the, double letters. Double. Yeah. Yeah, Stan. There's there's lots of interviews and like. Things where he said that the whole reason he did double first name and last name double letters is so it's easier for him to remember because he wrote and created so many different things like trying to remember all the different names. That's one of his catches because if he get the first name, he could probably figure out the last name because they all start with the same letter. So silly, but a good Freudian trick, I guess. That was that's neat, weird, but you know whatever. I, I'm sure I've I've said this before, and so it's just like beating things into the ground. But like one of the things that I really that I really love about, let's say, mainstream comics, and this applies to both Marvel and DC, and and a lot of this is because of of Stan because he created so much of this. But the coolest thing is in comics, you can have at this point three generations of people that all care about the same characters. That just has continued on and will continue on and well past the time 
when any of us can even think about these characters, they may continue on. We've, we've, he's, he's made a legacy that will carry on and can carry on from generation to generation and just something that will always stay in the lexicon. People who have never read a Superman comic know who Superman is. People who've never read a Spider-Man comic know who Spider-Man is. True. And it's because of the amount of effort that these guys put in to making a long and endearing character. Yeah, like you said, far past us, people will still be talking about Superman, Batman, Captain America, the Hulk, yeah. Spider-Man. I mean, that's that's the cool thing. I can have an older guy come in who's, you know, double my age, if not more. And maybe maybe you're disenfranchised. Maybe you don't care anymore, but we can still talk about the same characters. And we can still talk about story arcs that carry through, and that is, that's magical because you don't have that anywhere else. That's true. There's no other medium that that exists in. I mean, to a small degree, Star Trek, but even there, not really, because it's not like those those actors can carry on where the fictional characters can. Right. Well, other than Bill Shatner, you love forever. Oh, hopefully. That is not right for me to say. I love you, Bill. But yeah, you know what I mean. Anyhow, um, no, yeah, I mean it's definitely a thing as far as like continuity in the world you're right like you find a common bond regardless of what title or franchise or whatever you read like some people look at comic books and treat it like it's something that doesn't matter at all or whatever but as far as like a platform's concerned i mean football is a similar thing but only if you care about football you know same thing with soccer same thing with nascar like it's a much smaller platform and as far as like the world's concerned yeah even if you've never read a comic book ever there is a handful of characters you know everything about because it's just that big. Yeah, it's just had that much of a of a cultural impact. And the the nice thing is that hopefully that carries on forever. And I mean, it might not at some point, but it's amazing that you can have that because you can just you can have that moment with fans from many different generations, and you all know what you're talking about, and you all can kind of just fall into that. And it's, it's magical. It's a fantastic thing. And that's something that Stan helped make happen. Oh yeah. Well, I, I, you know, and it, even today, like if, you know, I have a bunch of nieces and a nephew and like my mom's a preschool teacher and she talks about how she like, there's kids that come to the preschool who don't know what a book is and how they don't even know how to turn a page in a book. And it's like, you know, in, in the old day, in the olden days, in quotation marks, like parents would be like, "Oh, you were just rotting your brain with them funny books." So comic books were that, and then it was television, or then it was radio, then it was television, and then it was Atari, then it was Nintendo, and then it was this and this and this, and now it's like kids are so engrossed in like just a smart, like a screen, just doing things for them and entertaining them, and it's like. I bet a lot those parents look back on those days when like they could just open a open a comic book and read and go on an adventure in their mind and their imagination and help them create and be creative and be just that was their own time that was they're just creating and being something else which you know all the books that comic books I read helped me like create my, ones of my own you know like want well that's cool and that's cool and that's cool but like what if they did all those this and this and this and it's just 
you know, it just, it was, it was awesome. It was always just another story, another adventure, another a way to like get away from like, you know, reality almost in a, in a good way. Right. And so it's, yeah. you know, Stanley helped with that with, ev- with millions of kids, millions of people, million, like tons of, you know, multiple generations, like, and, and and when I say millions, like that's not an exaggeration. No, like not millions not. of kids and people read books that were directly connected to him. Right. Well, you know, there's so many people that we've encountered in in our lives that this was what started them reading. This is what started them with a tool that you just you need for your entire life. And it's funny because people kind of look down on it, but really, it's this amazing resource that can reach out to people that maybe weren't as interested in something that was purely just writing. They needed that visual element. And it, it's impossible to say how important it is, you know, and there's so many kids now that, you know, they, they don't have that as much, you know? And I mean, it's not that their comics aren't out there. They just, it's, well, even as a kid, I, I I didn't struggle with. I could I can read. I can sit and read novels for days and not have any issues. I love to read. I can read anything, anytime, anywhere. It doesn't matter. But I, I've had a lot of friends over the years who were dyslexic and they struggled with that. And the thing with comic books was, they might have been dyslexic and they might have been looking at a page, but like because of the the pictures, and the illustrations, it helped it flow and it made their brain help connect those words and it helped them flow from left to right, start to finish, and it actually was beneficial for them in their reading process because of it. Like, and th- that's a great thing. Right. Oh, yeah, you know, sure. so it's just, you know, it's, it's reading is, is, is does so many positive things for the brain that like, I mean, looking at a smartphone isn't quite the same thing anymore, but it just, it, it helps create new like connections and syntaxes and blah, blah, blah. Like just it, your brain, it, it, it helps. Like they say reading helps with, uh, all the, the football stuff, the head injury stuff, like right. reading and doing puzzles and all that kind of, like that helps like to where your brain's always regenerating itself and creating new connections and stuff to where like you won't get Alzheimer's, you won't start going senile and stuff like that. Like that's, it's all positive stuff. And so right. th- does it matter whether it's, it's just text on a page or if it's text and a, and a, you know, a beautiful piece of art, does it matter? Right. Cause I, you know, in the, in the old day, like old first printings of novels, like back in the like 1700s, there were be- beautiful illustrations in novels. Oh yeah. You yeah. know, so like what, what's, why is that any different? Mm. It's not really. And so the issue with the, depending what time frame in life we're talking about, there was a time frame in life where comics were looked down on, which actually, so part of Stanley's name change wasn't just because of the Lieber, because his actual last name is Lieber. It's because when he first published his first work, part of it was because he didn't want to be considered a privileged Jewish man in Hollywood. And he didn't want his name connected to comics because of how badly comics were perceived as a genre whenever he finally wrote the great American novel. Because he had aspirations of just being a writer, in period. And uh, at some point, that's what he expected to do. Now, ultimately, other than his memoirs and like biography stuff, um, he didn't ever do that. Instead, we got Spider-Man and the Hulk and Captain America and things that will live on forever, which is awesome. But initially, 
there's a couple different reasons why he took the pen name. And one of those happened to be that he was afraid when he wrote his great American novel that people would look down on him. And comics have changed a lot since then, and their perception of the world is different. I mean, there's still folks that believe that comic books are just for kids. I mean, funny pictures and whatnot. And there definitely are books that are for kids. There are. But that's not all that exists. And if you ever read, then you know. So, as a thing in general. But yeah, it's uh, it's interesting where things came from to where they are now. And like how they're used now, even. Versus when we were kids. It's crazy. What I, what I also really enjoy in, in writing, and I think Stan was was very good at this. He was very big on critical thinking. He always wanted to... He never wanted to just be like, oh, hurry up and buy the next book. He always wanted you to think what's going to happen next. So things like Nuff Said and Stay Tuned, True Believers, you know, they, those were not just catch lines. They were, think about what's happening next. Think about where this story could go. And that's like, that's half of what makes comics magical is that two people can read it and maybe come away with different thoughts and different ideas about where we're going to go next. When you talk to a comic fan about what's the next step, they'll have a lot more to say about it than, you know, the guy who's just like, nah, whatever, you know, or is not a, <laughs> that's, that's a terrible way of putting it. Um, <laughs> People that are that are outside of the genre just just are lost. Right. They have no idea what needs to be next. They just know, oh, something should have been better, or something should have been this. You know. Whereas a comic fan will read it and have more of a critical eye. Um. And I think that's, I think that's a cool thing, and I think that's something that, you know, comics have have always been, and I think that's where they're best is when they make you think, what could be next, not just, like. Where's this story ending? But like, how is this going to affect things going forward? If, you know, like, like we can get excited because, oh, well, the Hulk and Wolverine have never met Weapon H. Whereas on paper, it's just like, yeah, <laughs> you know, right. Um, he business wise, like some, some, some reviews claim that he wasn't very good at business, but be, there's a lot of things that happened because of things that he did. And I'll give you a, like, where he fit in the world is, is different than anybody else, but the chase forward for things and the chase backwards for things, like because of things he put inside books, the quips of stay tuned, true believers, and he he fostered the idea of you need to go back and read the old stuff with some of the quips that he would put in things because you missed that issue, you should go back, and it caused a want for the old issues, which now that's a little different because of the digital era. So it's still there to want to read it, but the chase and collect it's different. But even and, even beyond that, though, like he did Stan Soapbox. And, oh yeah, and it was his way of like he, re, the stuff that he was writing was mature. It was it was it was forward thinking, like talking about racism and sexism and all these kinds of things, and saying, "Hey, like the reason that like." we're all different is a great thing. And talking about if you can't accept the fact that people are different then like you're the one that's in the dark ages. And, you know, he was very forward thinking. And the fact that, you know, this is in, in the, in the back of a like quotation mark funny book. Like, is that, is that, you know, based on, or based for like something grounding grounded for kids? Like, no, like that's he, I think that even he thought that, Hey, anybody can read this. This is, this isn't a kid's book. This isn't a funny book. This isn't, you know, something that's just like 
a toy for a child. Like it's is this is art. This is literature. This is a story that just needs to be told. Well, and he was very he's very grounded in certain things. So if you if you think about the rivalry between DC and Marvel, DC was the winner originally. It was it was the best selling books. That was the company to be. When Stan's uh, influence kind of came in, it, he didn't go. Well, let's just try to let's just try to copy them. Let's just try to make what they're doing, but better. His idea was, well, let's just bring it into the real world. If DC is fantastic with Superman and Batman, and they're they're millionaires and they don't have to worry about this, well, let's have our characters have to worry about having money. Let's make our characters have to worry about having addiction. It was the real world problems that he brought as as a big part of of comics and, and it became kind of the flavor of marvel was that these characters don't just have superpowers they have superpowers in real life and that life gets in the way peter parker's got to pay the rent yeah P- peter parker is a perfect example of that really but you know you go over to the fantastic four and you see it there too um the x-men has always been kind of an allegory for racism and they were really big on that as well, as, as the, the problems with it. It was never just, oh, it's fantastic that Cyclops can shoot beams out of his eyes. It was always like all the limitations that he has because of these things. Right. And that was that was a big deal about what he was doing. And it's funny because now you, you have so many people who are so in love with entropy and just go, oh, well, you can't make anything. Everything's already been done. Well, maybe not. Maybe you need to take a smaller approach, like everyday problems for people. And make that you know your foundation, and that was something that Stan was was big on. That was something that they really banked on for Marvel, and it was really successful. No, definitely created a different flavor than what was already out there in the media, and already out there as a genre. And yeah, it did cause a different tone, no doubt. Like I mean, other things. So you know how in most books on the splatter page we have the listing of who did what. Well, that stuff didn't wasn't like art was always signed by the artists, but it being publicized as like a bracket forum, that stuff didn't start till they started doing it over at Marvel. And whether it was directly Stan's idea or if he was just there when it happened, after they started it, he made a big deal about it being part of it. So like that's something that's a staple everywhere now. Every comic has that. So as far as shaping the world's concerned, man, crazy. Can you imagine the books that didn't tell you who made them? Like, some people only follow books because of the name of the writer now, or the name of the artist. So, like, if that wasn't a thing, man, it'd be a totally different world. Well, it it wasn't a thing. No, originally it wasn't, no. Originally it wasn't. And you think of all these creators that don't quite get their due, well, that was why. Because there was no... There was no do. There was no splat page. There was nothing that told you who did what. You just had to know. Right. Yeah, and that that caused a lot of the problems in the early days. Both companies taking advantage of their artist writers. I mean, Jack Kirby's a perfect example, like where Jack landed in the world. As far as the most shorted person in comic books, it, it probably was Jack. And time has something to do with that. And as far as there being no protection in the world, I mean... Back then, it was a very different, it was a wild west, man. A very different thing. Well, there's always a winner and a loser. I mean, even if you look at like the, like the original creator slash 
original owners of McDonald's, like right. or whatever. There's always somebody who can look looks at the big picture, and somebody who just looks at the small picture, and just who's to say that you know Jack Kirby would have made what he made if he wouldn't have had Stanley there to push him. You know, maybe it maybe if that would have never happened, he would have never gone as far as he did. He would have just been fine doing just being this little niche over here, and that that's all that ever would have been. And yeah, he might have gotten screwed out of something, but maybe he didn't even see it that way. Maybe he did. Who knows? But maybe without the push pushing of Stanley, he would have never gotten to the to where he did. You know, we just you never know. You can't. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty now. Really, of course, it's a symbiotic process as far as pieces are concerned. So you, one begets the other. So had he never met Stan, would he would he have be a name we knew? I don't know. Probably because he was a really big deal back then. Even when he was being mistreated by the companies, and that's not necessarily a stab at anyone individually, but both companies shorted him, and it wasn't the people working there; it was the companies. I mean, and they, the Walt Disney and another guy—I can't think of his name out of hand—like came up with the name of a character, and it was a rabbit to begin with, and they they made these cartoons together, and the guy just wanted to sit and do do it all himself, and Walt was like, "No, we have to get multiple people to do this if we're going to make like big motion pictures," and. The guys didn't want to do it, so it was like Walt kind of like went off on his own and created Mickey Mouse, and then they, you know, had multiple people doing it. Even his wife was painting hand, like hand painting cells and stuff, and that's why Disney went the way it did because the guy just didn't want to change. Right. And so, you know, if they would have stuck, stayed that way, well, Disney would have never became what it was. And so, True. sometimes it takes somebody with like that forward thinking, and it 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 might have hurt his feelings, but it. Who knows? You know, they, they I mean, they worked for years together. So, right. well, grand scale of things, like, there's a lot of people when verse, put versus Kirby versus Stan. And it, the way I understand it, at least from articles and stories on the internet, which who knows what's true, really. It's all fake matrix. Before Jack passed, there's a lot of that that was squashed between the two of them. So, as a thing in general, I like to believe that whether it's true or not, it makes me feel fuzzy inside. So, that's the way I see it. Speaking of fuzzy feelings inside, Rob, did you have something to do with the uh, the passing of Stanley you wanted to go over? Uh, well, there was there was a lot of nice things that were that were said out in the media, right? Um, and there was a lot of them that were said by actors that are part of the Marvel universe. And I I want to preface this first because there's there's two ways of looking at this. There's the genuine way, which is that what they had to say really meant something to them. And that these are real statements, which I really would like to believe. And then there's the kind of sarcastic and downtrodden way, which is like, oh, well, what do you expect? You have to say something. You know, um, I know that a lot of these guys got kind of attacked because all their stories were about them. Well, you know, when you meet somebody and, and you're a part of their life or they inflect your life in a way, yeah, it's going to be about you. You're still going to have a part of that as your experience. So I, I don't see any, I don't really understand the issue, I guess with you, you posted a picture with you and Stan saying, you know, I love you, man. Goodbye. Right. Like, I think, I think those people have a real big issue with themselves thinking that somehow it was all about boosting them up. So in, anyways, uh, these were, these were a few that I heard that I was really kind of touched by. So Chris Evans, our Captain America, he had to say there will be there'll never be another Stanley for decades. He provided both young and old with adventure, escape, comfort, 
confidence, strength, friendship, and joy. He exceeded love and kindness and will live on indefinitely, making so, so, so many lives better. Excelsior. Um, which, I mean, from Gus Evans, he had such a hard time with Fantastic Four. He didn't even want to be in the Captain America role. It's just, it's very interesting to see, like, how how he was affected, you know, and, and the, the things that he has to say here are, they kept, they pretty much do encapsulate a lot of what we, we were talking about. You know, the, the stories that stay in writ are bigger than the comic adventures for some people larger than you might ever expect. Right. So, uh, Chris Pratt had, um, had said, thanks for everything, Stan Lee. What a life so well lived. I consider myself extraordinarily lucky to have gotten to meet you and have been able to play in the world that you created. And I mean, if you can say anything about Stan's life, about the time that he's been on this earth, it would be. It's, it's a life well lived. He's really done a lot and had a big impact. He really did leave an impression on the people who got to meet him. No, no, the people around him he was infectious with. Just as a thing in general. It's crazy. Uh, Samuel Jackson says, Thank you for the escape from this world. And it was a great joy inhabiting your creation. He made so many people believe in good. The heroic, the villainous, the exciting, and most of all, you were, you were giving and generous to all of us. Rest in peace. I mean, Samuel Jackson met a lot of people. That's true. You know, I mean, the joke in the family guy where it's like, Oh, have you seen the movie with the black guy in it? Yeah, that's Samuel Jackson. Like, that's that's kind of true for a while. Yeah. I don't... For me, I don't see any reason he would come out and say something like that if it didn't mean something to him, if it for wasn't no reason. true. You know, sure. and that's, that's another thing, you know, is it, it's just... A lot of what he inspired in people was to be better, to believe in an idea of goodness. There was never an idea in his head when he would do a, a mashup, like two heroes meeting, and they would fight, that that was never to lead to them, you know, recon, uh, reconsolidating and then joining up and teaming up. Like he never, he never had like that kind of idea of a, a more cynical, heroic character, I guess. Which I mean, he, he helped, he, he kept the uh, Punisher around, so I don't know, I guess maybe I'm, <laughs> Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm not making as good a sense there as I mean, but like for for him, being a hero wasn't cheesy. It wasn't passe. It was it was something that he thought people should aspire to, that they should aspire to be better, that they should aspire to be noble. Right. And as much as it sounds stupid, but that like who wants to be a hero show, you could really see what his idea of who people should be and what they should strive for, and it's it was kind of impressive. I mean, for a silly like, reality TV show, the challenges and things they had to overcome were interesting. Well, you were you were talking earlier about how, like, at first he he you know like with the credits and the beginning comics and things like that, and how he didn't and he wanted just to be a novelist and didn't want to like in his name and all that stuff. And then he came to a point where this is the one like big quote that he that he used. He's like, I used to be embarrassed because I was just a comic book writer, while other people were building bridges or going on in medical careers, and then I began to realize entertainment is one of the most important things in people's lives. 
Without it, they might go off the deep end. I feel if they're able to entertain people, you're doing a good thing. So you just, I think, you know, is being able to, you know, let help people escape. Right. Well, eventually, name change wise, he full on changed his name to be Stanley. So that's also another thing to grow, grow into it, man. That's awesome. And just, I have a, a couple more and then, and then I'll be done with this. But, um, another one was from Jessica Alba. She said, thanks for your kindness. It was a huge honor to be part of your universe. The experience that I had on the set of the Fantastic Four playing the Invisible Woman was so meaningful as a young actress and had a huge impact on me. Which is... That's cool. Know, I, Jessica Alba, really? Like, these are like, just, oh, you had to do this. Why? Why her? You know? Like, he had to have at least a bit of an impact oh, yeah. on her life, you know? Here's another one from Joss Whedon. He created a universe where a character was beloved enough they could never really die. Now that's thinking ahead. Thanks for so much of my life, you'll never not be in it. And then this one is the one that like, really got me. Which So we'll see if I can read it without sounding too terrible. But this is from Mark Hamill. He says, His contribution to pop culture was revolutionary and cannot be overstated. He was everything that you'd hope he would be and more. I love this man and will never stop missing him. They say you should never meet your childhood idols. They were wrong. Like for me, that's, that's huge. Cause like we've, we've met both of those guys, but like we've met a lot of people that were really important. I think, in in my life, <laughs> and and I believe in yours, but like most of them have been totally the genuine article. And for me, you know, maybe it was a good day. But Stanley was he was awesome. He was great, and he stayed around and he chatted with fans. And you know, I like I I never feel bad about meeting him. Whereas there's other artists that yeah, there's other writers that I've met that I just. I'd rather have never met them. But I will never think that way about Stan. I'll never think that way about Mark. So, yeah. Well, it's, it's, Steve said the other day in uh, the Never Been Done podcast, he was talking about the time that you guys met him, and I'll let you guys talk about, you guys should actually tell that story. And, but, uh, when you're talking about how back then when you guys met him, like, you know, people knew, knew who Stanley was and you like people recognized him, but it wasn't the fanfare. wasn't the craziness that it had, that it's become. And that like, and you think about mall rats when he was a mall rats, like, you know, Brody is supposed to be this like massive comic book, just maniac. And he's standing there, like look, watching the lingerie. And he doesn't realize that the person standing next to him was Stan Lee. And he like, I know, I know it's a movie. I know it's like an, a, you know, a make believe like encounter, but because Stan Lee at that time when that movie came out, like not a lot of people, I mean, there, it was an animated drawing of what Stan Lee looked like in the back, back of your comic books. It's like the Stan soapbox or all the other things that he'd write. Like it was just like an illustration. So like you kind of got the basis of what he looked like, but like in real life, I mean, people were like, Oh yeah, yeah, that is Stan Lee. Like it was kind of a, so I mean, now, every, every, everybody knows what he looks like. I mean, oh, what, yeah. what, 
with, you know. Well, the advent of the cameos in the movies and all the, uh, mix of pop culture in the world now and how pop culture is so widely accepted and it's such a big deal. And technology like, and yada yada and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. But, 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 but even then, like, it's just, like, it was just, you know, it's amazing. Like, it's just kind of a cool thing. Yeah. But. Yeah, it's, it's a different world. I mean, he's, there's a lot of people who couldn't tell you this, that, or the other from loads of comics, but they know who Stan Lee is. Right. And it's because of, you know, his, his time on film. But yeah, at that time, we were very lucky because unless you were a comic fan, you, you didn't know, you didn't care really. But, and I mean, that's been one of the interesting things as a, as a comic fan that I've, I've had for years, you know, we'll, we would go to San Diego and, you know, I'd get back and talk about all these people that I got to meet. Oh, I was really excited. I met Matt Herrera and I met this guy and I met that guy and, and they would just, you know, it's all over their head. If you're not in that field, you don't care. Right. right. Like I, I follow, uh, J. Scott Campbell on, um, on Instagram. I love J. Scott Campbell's art and he lives in Colorado. But if I was walking down the street in Denver and J. Scott Campbell walked down, like walked down the sidewalk next to me, like, I, I follow him on Instagram. I know what he looks like, basically, but I probably wouldn't notice him walking down the street. Right. No, like, yeah. Like, sure. And he's, you know, as much as if he is who he is or whatever, and like your, your personal opinions on the guy, he's a fantastic artist, but like, I wouldn't be like, oh, holy crap, that's Jay Scott Campbell. I got to talk to him. Like, I wouldn't recognize him. Like, I mean, probably on, in, in your day to day, but Stan Lee was walking down the sidewalk, but like, that's that's freaking Stanley, right? Yeah, it's a very different thing. Just in general, yeah, very different. But yeah, uh, weird, weird world, man. As far as things, do you remember what year that was, Rob? Like, I don't remember what year it is. Like, I I know I looked the picture, but I can't I can't tell what year it is. No, I couldn't say anymore. I I keep wanting to say 2012, but I don't think that's no, that's long not, enough ago. Yeah. It's farther back than that, I think. I don't, it, it's probably ultimately like, oh, it doesn't matter seven or something. what year it was really. But yeah, as a thing. So I think that, so that year it was you, me, and, and my girlfriend, and we were all leaving. I don't remember what panel. I was telling the story the other day, I've never been done. And I know we were in some panel watching some whatever it was and decided to leave and go do something else. And so we left and we get outside in the hallway and there's like hardly anybody there because it was a different world for San Diego then. And we're walking, and like you, you told me, I think that's Stan Lee in front of us. And I'm like, I don't know about that. And we got close, and it, it was. And you're like, should we, we should go talk to him. And I'm like, oh, can we? Can we do that? And you're like, we should go talk to him. I'm going to tell him all the stuff that I love that he's done. And I'm like, all right. And it's like, in the middle of a hallway, who I don't know where he was going. Was he going to the bathroom? Was he going down? I have no idea what the man was doing out there. But he was just walking through the hallway, and uh, we get up to him and start talking to him. And I remember you saying, like, Mr. Lee, like, you're so great. And he's like, Stan, it's Stan. And I'm like, man, like, that's the only part of that conversation that burns in my head. And that's so freaking cool. Like, this is the dude that's, like, a giant, and these two weird kids, are, well, I guess we weren't kids, but kind of kids, are in this hallway pestering you. And, like... You stopped and talked to us. Like that was really, really freaking cool. When I, I don't know. It's crazy the amount of like tolerance the dude had for people. I think 
mean, come on. Like he puts up with, he put up with so many people in his life. My God. Impressive. Yeah, you'd, you'd really imagine, like, you hear so many, you know, stories of celebrities, like, acting the fool. Like, you really don't hear that about Stan. I'm sure it happened. It's got to. He's a human being. Right. But he was, he was very cool with us and, like, just took some time and did his thing, you know? But yeah, it was, it was, it was fantastic. And, you know, I remember talking to him long enough to really kind of get a sense of, like, how he talked about things. God, if I can remember what we all talked about. <laughs> Man. <laughs> just that it was such a, like, a crazy, like, amazing moment to be able to, to have that. And I'm glad that we have a photo of that, but. Yeah, you're talking like, this is like 15, 16 years ago. It's been a while. It may be even 17. I don't really remember what year it was. Well, I was listening to an interview today, actually, about, with Billy Zapka and, uh, um, Daniel LaRusso. What's his name? Oh, uh, Ralph Macchio. Ralph Macchio. And they were like, you know, there was like a year there where I was like pissed off all the time when people, when every time I'd be at the airport to be there and somebody's like, can you do the crane, can you do the crane post? Can we do this? Can you do that? And it's just like, but then I came to realize that that's part of my life. That's who I am. And that's who, that's what has made me into the person that I am. And that's, if I'm not okay with that part of my life, the, don't go out and about like, don't, don't go out, don't go to these cons. Don't go to those things. Like if, if I, if I'm going to get mad that some, you know, that somebody wants to like me to do the crank cake and pose with him and do that, then why am I going to this con to begin with? He's like, that's, that's what we signed up for. And that's why they brought Cobra Kai back and all that stuff. Cause they just like, they just love the story. Right. And with Stan, I think that he, he was all like, from what you guys say and from stories that I've read, just, that's just who he was. Like he just loved what he created so much that he didn't mind people just being like, Hey, I love the X-Men. Thanks for that. And that was it. He's just like, yeah, you're welcome. I love him too. You know, I think <laughs> that that's the thing is like, I think that he loved him so much that like when people said thank you to him and people wanted to talk to him about it, it was just like, that was the best part of it for him. Like, Money-wise, I don't think it was ever a deal to him. I think it was about the stories. He's definitely he's definitely a showman, and he was that was I think the one thing that that was bigger to him than anything was just the the idea of people getting hyped and him being able to do that. You know, and when you read what he writes, you can feel that he has kind of this carny like kind of Barker aspect to the way that he tells a story and the things that he does and like. He was very sensational, and yeah, you can say, oh, well, he's really hammy, but it's hard to read that stuff and not have that kind of, like, excitement build, because that's that's just who he was. He was he was kind of that pitch man, and that's that's what he always wanted to do. Everything was bigger than life, because Stan was bigger than life. Yeah. Well, it's it's that the thing that I was reading to you guys on Twitter earlier. Like, I don't remember who said it, but it was, it's funny that Bill Maher just wants to be Hugh Hefner. But at the end of the day, Hugh Hefner just always wanted to be Stanley. Right. And it's kind of, if you know anything about Hugh Hefner, Hugh Hefner was, uh, like he was a, uh, massive, his, his love for comics and art was massive. And like all the comics written in the early issues of Playboy were all done by him. Like almost all the way till the end, till he died. Like he drew all that stuff. And he always actually like talked about Stanley 
And it was that that was kind of an interesting thing, which people like think like, oh, Playboy is kind of smutty and stuff like that. But like, it was it, it's actually a classy publication, and like the fact that Hugh Hefner, somebody who was so groundbreaking in you know in mag in the magazine world and the print world, like had that much respect for Stanley, it was a big deal. Well, it's another giant admiring another giant is yeah. a crazy thing, just in general. But yeah, as, you know, as far as Mar goes, there's a there's some awesome quotes on the internet about that guy. And as far as being a dude that's a that's a jerk, if you folks watch Bill Maher and you listen to our show, just know he doesn't respect you or Stan. And with that, I don't think he deserves your respect. So if you watch his show because you enjoy his humor, I would think maybe you should stop. Because the only thing that's going to put that guy in his place where he belongs is a loss of, loss of viewers. Well, I think at the end of the day, like, we, we didn't really bring it up. We didn't talk about it as much as I thought we would. And I think that we need to leave it that way. Just sure. because the guy doesn't even deserve, deserve to be talked about at the yeah. end of the day. Like, Agreed. I think that, uh, Stanley speaks for himself. He doesn't even need, like, defended because Stanley, did, like, just his, just on work alone defends himself. He yeah. doesn't. So. Like you said, I mean, his memory, like, the last, the lasting impact that the man have. The other day I was talking to, actually, it was either this morning or yesterday. I was talking to one of the girls that comes in. We were talking about Stanley passing and, like, I can see her choking her throat. And I thought, man because it was rough the first few days, like just the thought of it. And we were talking about movies and she's like, but at least he's got his cameos done for the next two movies. And I thought, man, you know what that means? That even after all the pre-filmed existing things that we're all going to get the joy of getting to see someday, there'll be a batch of movies that he's not in. Like that's rough. Whether you think the man was a sensationalist or not, it's a sad thought. Just in general. Anyhow. <laughs> this is true, but like his contribution to pop culture, his contribution not just to the comic industry, but in effect now the film industry, that's gonna live on. Oh for sure. You know, no there's, there's gonna be there's gonna be a time where people are looking back at Iron Man, and they're not thinking like, oh, this was a great comic book movie. They're just going to be like, oh, this was a pivotal time in cinema. You know? But more than that, it's... Can you imagine creating something that that not only will outlive you, it might outlive, like, your next... Your, your kid's descendants, you know? Can, can you imagine having something that you made that people are so passionate about that it may... Stay on the earth as long as print exists. Like, I can't even think about that. I can't even think of how I would ever live my life so well that people would remember the things that I created that long. And that's what you hope. I mean, really. Right. As, as a human being, that, that what you pass on is is so big. And I, I know this is stupid because I'm going to bring up that show again, that, that one, you want to be a hero right. show. The first season, just look at the guy who won. What he had to say to Stan was basically, my family was troubled. My dad was not in the picture. Through your comics, through the way that you talked, through the way that you told your stories, you taught me to be a man. And you taught me to be the person that I want to be. That's a hell of a legacy. And that's something that a lot of people will never live up to, including sensationalist morons on talk shows. 
Well, on part, like what, what you're saying, I didn't realize it as, as doing research for this, that, um, the first time that George R.R. R. Martin was ever published, that he, that he feels the first time he was published is he got, um, they printed his letter in the back of a Fantastic Four number 20 and, uh, and he wrote in about Fantastic Four number 17 and he, uh, compared Jack and Stan to basically, um, I think Picasso and Shakespeare. And it's just like, he's like, yeah, it's, it might have been ridiculous for me as a young kid to, like, to say those things, but you look back on it now and it's like, he's not too far off. Like, no. like look where Shakespeare, what he was when he was writing and he was just a bard and he was just like writing tales and stories and songs and, and then like, look what he became and it outlived multiple generations and like Stanley's going to do the same thing. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to be the same thing. Like the tales of Iron Man will be told for generations now because of it. And it, as much as you laugh about it, no, that that's true story. Let's say that we lose all power and all energy and any, everything that there is. And that all we have is the, the spoken word again, the tales of Captain America and the tales of Iron Man and the tales of the X-Men will be told around fire, like campfires. Cause those are, those are mythological characters and he created those. Right. Or helped create those. Yeah. Well, all living like the kids from Mad Max Thunderdome. That'd be awesome. Right? That's a crazy thing to think about, but it's, yeah, it's very, very possible. And like you were saying, like what the, the guy, the guy at the end of the show, like what he said about his family, like there's, there's so many people that just from the like, what they get from these books, it shapes who they are. You know what I mean? Like, when we were kids reading this stuff, I know it kept you and me out of trouble. My God. Like, as far as things forming who you are, man, that's a, that's a big thing. What's crazy is when you think about it, he's been in the industry and he was doing things so much that the world has changed so completely. I mean, we were talking about going from horse and buggy to car with our grandma well, in his life, we went from, you know, pretty small prohibition I- industry, a prohibition, the civil rights movement, the change from, you know, the, the World Second War World One War, and Two. Yes, yeah, World really. War One and Two. Um, you know, just all, almost all of the things that you can think of right now that were huge, pivotal things in U.S. history, barring like the Civil War. He was living during. That's true. And not only was he living during it, he was telling stories during it that addressed those issues. It wasn't just, oh, well, let's softball it. He was like, you know, telling stories where we have, like, the first African-American character that doesn't have black in his name. And that seems like nothing now, but that was a big deal. And, I mean, he wasn't the one who was behind that, but he was there during that time period. He was a part of those decisions in small way. Well, being editor-in-chief at the time, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and even with, like, Black Panther, who was going to be Cole Tiger, he, he just beat, just, just missed out being the first African-American character that didn't have black in his name. Like, it's it's such a big thing. Oh, yeah. So to be a part of that time period, and like, not only was he a part of it for a small time, he was a part of it for almost all the time that you can think when those really big events were happening. 
Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, after he left in the 70s. 72 is when he stepped down as editor-in-chief to move to the production media side of things. There, there's still a lot of big things that happened, but when you think of, like, the hotbed of, of stuff, it was it was right there in the 60s and early 70s. Yeah. So. I didn't even think about the whole civil rights thing being during that time. That's crazy, too. Oh, my yeah. God. Well, you know, one one thing that, like, has rarely ever been called out is whether or not they they addressed the situation or whether they were forced into or shamed to. Which I don't don't feel it was ever a thing. I always felt like they were very like proactive, forward thinking for sure. Yeah, like, yeah. So this is one of his like write ups that he used to do called Stand Soapbox. It's probably one of my favorites, and uh, it's a pretty big deal, especially in today's climate but uh it goes let's lay it right on the line bigotry and racism are among the deadliest social ills plaguing the world today but unlike a team of costume supervillains they can't be halted with a punch in the snoot or a zap from a ray gun the only way to destroy them is to expose them to reveal them for the insidious evils they really are the bigot is an unreasoning hater one who hates blindly fanatically indiscriminately if his hang-up is black men, he hates all black men. If a redhead once offended him, he hates all redheads. If some foreigner beat him to, at a job, he's down on all foreigners. He hates people he's never seen, people he's never known, with equal intensity, with equal venom. Now we're not trying to say it's unreasonable for one human being to bug another, but although anyone has the right to dislike another individual, it's totally irrational Patently insane to condemn an entire race, to despise an entire nation, to, vil to vilify an entire religion. Sooner or later, we must learn to judge each other on our own merits. Sooner or later, if a man is ever to be worthy of his destiny, we must fill our hearts with tolerance. For then and only then will we be truly worthy of the concept that man was created in it, the image of God, a God who calls us all his children. Pax et justitia. Stan. It's a pretty good quote. Yeah. And that's the stuff that was getting written up. In the back of comics. In the back of a comic book. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think, I think as, as Stan would say, that would be enough said. Right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it. Um, you know, pass it around to your friends. That's how that stuff works, right? Um, Share, like, subscribe, something like that. Right. I don't know if you can share this. Yeah, you can. Okay. You can you share totally it with a can. friend. There's a, there's a button. Oh, you can you can share it with the internet. You can share it with the internet. You should do that. Share it with a friend, if anything. Listen to this, and then go sit down with your friends and talk about your stories of Stanley together. Yeah. Right. No, it's true. For you know? sure. And remember, even though you know we we lost a giant, but that doesn't mean that we're done. It doesn't mean that the industry is done. Right. You know. His his work will live on. His legacy will live on. And the best way I think to live on is to to remember that, that he lived well, and that his inspiration was, you know, to to be decent, to be a hero, you know, be a good person, to be a good person, to to embody the things that the characters that he talked about were. You know, your life might be rough, but maybe maybe your great power. <laughs> Is um, you know, I, 
is also your great responsibility, you know? I, he might have been cheesy in the things that he said, but, like, his message was very clear. Be be a good person, you know? That we're responsible for our own actions, and our actions can lead to positive things. Yeah. Like he says in the end of Spider- or in not the end, but in his cameo on Spider-Man 3, maybe one person can make a difference, because it's true, he can. Yeah. One person can make a difference, and he was he's a good example of that. That's true. Excelsior? Excelsior. Left said, yeah. <laughs> Let's go with Excelsior, because that's the one he branded, because nobody else could copy it. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned, true believers. Hi, heroes. This is Stan Lee coming at you. want you to know, Marvel has always been and always will be a reflection of the world right outside our window. That world may change and evolve, but the one thing that will never change is the way we tell our stories of heroism. Those stories have room for everyone, regardless of their race, gender, religion, or color of their skin. The only things we don't have room for are hatred, intolerance, and bigotry. That man next to you, he's your brother. That woman over there, she's your sister. And that kid walking by, hey, who knows? He may have the proportionate strength of a spider. We're all part of one big family, the human family, and we all come together in the body of Marvel. And you, you're part of that family. You're part of the Marvel universe that moves ever upward and onward to greater glory. In other words, Excelsior! <laughs>